and our own contribution. But I would just want you to know that every one of you are important to this church. And you're important with your gifts and your abilities. And I hope that uh, God will give us wisdom to be able to organize the church to, as it says, that the church is there to equip the saints for works of ministry, to find out what your giftings are and able to help direct you into, uh, into where God wants you to go. We had a, a visit yesterday with a new couple. They came online and they watched. They've been coming out. But they came in just to see us and to say, this is their calling and their gifting and how does it fit with the church. And it's just exciting to see different pieces come together for God's honor and for God's glory. Well, let's move to our message this morning. I hope that you picked up a message fill-in sheet as you came in. And the title of the message this morning is called The Temptation of the Cross. The Temptation of the Cross. I never thought about Jesus being tempted on the cross. I always, if I thought about the temptation of Jesus, I always thought about the wilderness experience after he had fasted for 40 days. How he was tested by turning, you know, the stones into bread and so forth. I always thought about the temptation as being in the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat as it were great drops of blood and he wrestled with the cup that was coming in front of him and, and said, not my will, but thy will be done. I sort of uh, thought the cross was just painful and it was something that Jesus went through. But I was reading uh, the accounts this week of Jesus on the cross and something struck me. And what struck me was Jesus was tempted on the cross. Now, if we go back to our notes, the first fill-in is this. The mission of Jesus was to save others. So here, Jesus came to this earth with an assignment, with a mission. He had a purpose, almost like we were sharing earlier once we started here this morning. You all have a calling. You all have a gifting. Jesus had a gifting and a calling. And his mission, the mission of Jesus, was to save others. Matthew 121, she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It was always before him, the mission that he had to accomplish. But here's the point that uh, I leave with you. The salvation that Jesus was to accomplish was accomplished on the cross. The salvation was accomplished on the cross. The place that Jesus actually accomplished his mission was on the cross. I mean, he had lots of things to lead to it, but everything was culminating until finally as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, it's finished. He finished the work, the assignment. Our salvation was purchased on the cross. It was the cross where God's justice and his mercy met. And God loved man, did not want to judge man, but because of our sins, we were guilty and we were worthy of punishment and death and eternal separation from God. But on the cross, Jesus brought his justice, God's justice and God's mercy together. 
His justice was that his penalty of sin was poured out on Jesus. He bore our sins. But his mercy showed that he died for us. And because he died, we didn't have to die. And he made a way of salvation for us. But I just want you to see that the temptation... Uh, or that the mission of Jesus was on the cross. Now, how it comes back to the temptation of the cross, you begin to realize, okay, he was tempted in a lot of ways, but here is where the, the accomplishment, the final culmination of his mission was being carried out, and no doubt there was a temptation. It was Satan's attempt to thwart what was going to happen. And so, as I read through this, it, it, it actually surprised me because I wasn't thinking about temptation. I was just thinking that Jesus was accomplishing his mission. But I want you to see this. The temptation on the cross was save yourself. Save yourself. What was Jesus' mission? To save others. What was the temptation to Jesus on the cross? Save yourself. Now, I never really saw this, so begin to look, and, there, and I have it in your notes. Over and over again, there was a continual, persistent focus to Jesus on the cross to save himself. We find that the passerbys, just the people passing by that happened to look up. This is what they said in Matthew 27, 39. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself if you are the son of God. Come down from the cross. So these people, they were familiar with Jesus. They even were familiar to a certain extent with his teaching. And they said, well, you said that you would destroy the temple and build it up in three days. And if that's what you're saying, well, and if you, and if you are the son of God, if, if you are who people say you are, well, then save yourself. And I, I, it was interesting how it says here, they went wagging their heads. I mean, this, this is not just statements. This is presenting an attitude. It's like a wagging of their heads. Well, <laughs> you say that this and you talk big and you gave lots of teachings and you're hanging on the cross and you, everyone's saying that you're something special. But if you are, then save yourself. Not only the passerbys, but the chief priests. We find in Mark 15, 30 and 31, the religious leaders, they said, save yourself and come down from the cross. He saved others, himself he cannot save. So they say, hey, come down to the cross and they turn to one another. He said he could save others. Hey, save yourself. You can see that all these taunts given towards Jesus were, were Taking the words that Jesus had said in the past, twisting them, distorting them, throwing them back in his face, not totally understanding what it was all about, but the, the, the temptation, the common temptation was save yourself, save yourself. And then we move on to the soldiers. And we find what the soldiers say in Luke 23 and verse 37. And they represent Rome and the government. 
And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So they're looking from the governmental side. Saying, well, you know, you're supposed to be the king of the Jews. We're Rome. <laughs> you're contesting what we are. If you are who you say you are, then save yourself. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then it moves on to the fourth. You can see how this continually, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, the words that are being thrown at him over and over again is save yourself. And we find that one of the criminals, it says in Luke 23 and verse 39, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. You know, if you are who you say you are, you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, you're special, you, you've come with a mission. If, if, if you're the Christ, well then let's go ahead and do it. Let's save ourselves right here. Save yourself and save us. See how it sort of mixes in now this whole area of saving others? Well, it was almost like a compromise. You know, save yourself and save us. Let's, let's do this. And... Jesus is bearing all of this on the cross. Satan's temptation to thwart Jesus' mission was save yourself. It was almost like, yes, he tempted him in the wilderness. He tested him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But now it's like his last, final attempt to thwart Jesus' ministry, that he strikes at the very heart of this issue. And he knows if he can get Jesus to save himself, he can't save others and he can't fulfill his mission. Save yourself was the strongest attempt. It was almost like in these last moments, Satan is throwing everything he can at Jesus to on rail what his mission and his purposes were. Now, how does this relate to us today? Our mission today, the mission that God has given to every one of us, and we already spoke about it today. I mean, you all have a mission. As strongly as Jesus had a mission, you have a mission. You might be like the person in the video. Oh, I, I can't do that. I am not an artist. I can't do this. But you have an ability. You have a calling. You have a mission. You have a mission. But I want you to see. Our mission today is carried out on a cross. Our mission today is carried out on a cross. There's a position that you are to take. There's a, lo there's a locality. There's a place you occupy that your mission is carried out on. Just as Jesus, the culmination of his ministry and assignment, was carried out on a cross, I want you to see that for us to fulfill the mission and the calling in your life, it's carried out on a cross. Listen to what the verse says here in Luke 9, verse 23. 
speaking about Jesus. And he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If you're going to follow Jesus, live the way he wants you to live, fulfill the mission, the spiritual mission that he's given you, you have to take up your cross. Because that is the position that your ministry will be carried out from. Now, why does it say this? Well, the cross is an instrument of dying. Why is he saying take up your cross? It wasn't a literal wooden cross. But he says you have to take up your cross. That place where you lay down your life. That place where you die to yourself. You need to take that up for you to fulfill the mission that God has for you. There is an exchange life. You lay down your life so that Christ's life can be lived through us. It's not just doing your own thing, your own ideas, fulfilling your own plans and purposes, and asking God to bless your work. We sort of shared this a little bit last, last week. If you're going to abound in the work of the Lord, it's not asking God to bless your work, although he can do that and he knows we live in this world. But it's for us to say, Lord, I lay down my life so I can do your work. I lay down my purpose, my identity, because it doesn't really matter about me. It's what you want. You have to take up your cross and die to yourself in order to accomplish what God has for you. So, Satan's temptation to us is save, our, save ourselves. Save yourself. Just as, just as the temptation to Jesus was to save himself, Satan's temptation to us is, hey, you're going overboard. Hey, uh, if, if you are wanting to live a good life, why is all this happening to you? If you are a Christian and God's blessing your life, why is this happening to you? If, if you put God first and, and you say you're, like they said to him, if you say you're Christ, Satan turns it to us. Hey, if you're a Christian, why is this happening to you? Why are you going through this hard time? Why isn't your prayers being answered? Why aren't people treating you right? Why are you hanging on this cross? Why are you suffering? Save yourself. Save yourself. That's tempt that is Satan's temptation to us. It was the temptation on the literal cross and it's the temptation on the cross that we are to take up and bear. Now, I tell you folks, this message is really really important. I just never saw it in this way till I read this over, uh, over and over again, the temptation to Jesus on the cross to save himself. And when I begin to realize, what are the strongest, what's the strongest temptation that I face? It's to save myself. Spare myself. Why is this happening to me if I'm supposed to be a Christian? 
almost comes back to the verses we were sharing before about perplexed, but not to despair. Hard pressed, but not crushed. All these things, it comes over and over to us. Spare yourself, save yourself. Listen to the verse here in Luke 9, 24. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now here is an eternal truth that you need to internalize. This truth here is what helps you to see things clearly when this temptation comes. The temptation is save your life, save yourself. But if you save yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life, you're actually not going to lose anything. You're going to gain it. Now this is the great paradox. This, this is the, the, the conundrum. It, it, it's, it's what Satan throws at us, but you need to see it and understand it. And Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll gain it. In other words... It's in your best interest to lose your life to Christ. He designed us. He has a purpose for us. He knows what we're to do. So you don't, the best thing you can do is give your life to the Lord. And, and Satan will tempt young people. Oh, don't serve God when you're young. Oh, there's too much fun to have. You know, serve the Lord later in life. You, you can come back then, but... But have some fun now. And it's Satan's lie. Because it can destroy your life. You'll lose your life by saying, I'm going to take control of my life and use my life. The sooner you give your life to the Lord, the better. The more you surrender to the Lord, the better. And you have to see it's better to serve Christ than to serve anything else. And, you know, I've gone through these times I, I was in, I was in the middle of studying for, for engineering. I was going to be an electrical engineer. And it was in the middle of that at a youth convention in Belleville, Ontario. There was a time when I gave and surrendered my life to the Lord. And it came through a song that was being sung. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. You know, and it goes on and on, the verses of that song, and it, 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 it produced a surrender within me. And it came, it just brought me back in another way to this verse. I'm better off to lose my life for the Lord than to think I'll gain it and I want this and I want that. There's been different times in my life when temptations have come up. Run here, go there, do this. It's too hard what, what you're doing right here. And the Lord's saying, don't, you know, you're better off to lose your life. It's better for you. You know, it goes on to say, then to be a king of a vast domain. Everything that Satan, and that was the, the, the early temptations of Jesus. He showed him all the kings of the world, said, bow down and worship me. Jesus overcame the temptation in the wilderness. And on the cross, it's coming back over him again. Save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 legions of angels and come and rescued him. It was within his, it was within his ability 
to save himself. But he didn't to fulfill his mission. And the challenge to us, when Satan points to all the things that you're losing and questioning why are you calling yourself a Christian and all this is how he twists events, he twists words, he twists things in your life that wants, and he's trying to tell you, just give up, give up. Save yourself. Now, how do we overcome this? Well, the note in your, let me just say, the note I put in your, your notes are, self-preservation is the strongest human drive. I mean, Satan aligns himself with, uh, with the human drives. Hunger is the strongest drive we have. To save ourselves naturally, to protect ourselves, it's a natural uh, instinct. It's the strongest instinct you have. And so Satan just tries to exploit that into your life. To say, save yourself. Serving God is not the best. It's hurting you. You're better off not to serve God. You're better off not to get involved in that. Because it's going to hurt you. And you've got to come back and just say, I'm not going to save myself. Brings us to our next point. The override of this strongest drive is faith. Hope and love. Well, you'd think it's that because the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13. Now abide faith, hope, and love these three. But the greatest of these is love. So first is faith. Jesus had to have a faith that when he laid down his life and died on the cross. That it wasn't the end of him. He had a faith in God that he would be resurrected from the dead. He had a faith in God if he fulfills the plan and purpose and endures to the end. Not only will others be saved, but God will raise him up. There has to be a faith. If you don't have a faith in God, you will succumb to the temptation to save yourself. But if you see it's better for me to give my life to the Lord, then you're going to you're going to stay the course and you're going to come out better. Now notice what it says in Galatians 2.20. We've used this verse many times, but I want you to see it in this light. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, he's laid down his life. He, he's given his life to the Lord. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So that's what we've been saying. There's a new life living it. We've yielded our life, but he's given us his life. Now let's go on and see what it says. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the faith that Jesus had on the cross to stay on the cross is the same faith that we need to have to fulfill our mission. He had faith that God would raise him from the dead if he laid down his life. We have to have that same faith. We live by the same faith. We live by the faith of the Son of God. He had to have faith in his Father that he would be raised from the dead. You have to have faith in God, your Father, that when I lay down my life and my rights and what I feel is, is important, I lay that down. I live by faith. And because he loved me and he gave himself for me, we lay down our lives so that others can experience the same. 
Love overcomes. And hope. Now let's go to hope first. Faith, hope. Hope is things are going to get better. I'm not in despair here. I don't understand what's happening. But I have hope. And as you have hope, that bears you through this and it leads to love. Now, John 3.16, we all know this verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. What overcame the temptation to save himself was that God loved the world. Jesus loved the world. He, he loved the people around him. So even the people despising him on the cross, he was able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't hold bitterness. He didn't hold resentment. He, he didn't hold the hurts. Oh, they've hurt me. They've hurt me. They've hurt me. They're hurting me. I can feel it. I can't, you know, he, he loved them and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he stayed on the cross in, in spite of their taunts to actually forgive them so that they could be saved. He lost his life so the world could be saved. Listen to what it says in Romans 5, 7, and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, this love goes beyond just loving good people. I love those that love me. I love the ones that treat me right. While we were still sinners, he loved us. This is a deep love. That's why love is the greatest. Abides faith, hope, and love. If we're going to fulfill our mission, we've got to draw on faith, hope, and love. You have to draw that your faith is that when I give my life to the Lord, he's going to give it back to me. And I'm fulfilling his mission. You have to have hope that even though I can't explain what's happening right now, my hope is in God. And love is motivating you. He's placed his love in, his, in our hearts when you accept Christ. And you begin to love people no matter how they treat you. Now, I hope you're catching this message, folks. This is how you're going to fulfill your mission. This is the cross we take up. This is the position of your ministry. Because no matter what you do, whether it be the person that's organizing the closet, or the artist, or the salesman, or anything in the work of God, we all have our part. You're going to be tempted to save yourself and not do your part. And you have to say, I'm not going to succumb to that temptation. It's going to come to you from different people, different times, just as it did to Jesus. Soldiers, the religious leaders, the criminals, the people just passing by. You're going to have a temptation. They'll whisper in your ear. Just too bad what they've done to you. And, and you'll want to give up. But you just have to persevere. Love is giving unselfishly to the needs of others without regard to personal recognition or reward. You have to give yourself for others. Now, th this is an important point. I've, have you ever wondered about 1 Corinthians 13? This chapter on love. 
And it says this in uh, the very beginning of it. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Would you, well, I've often read that and thought, what's it talking about? Obviously, if he's giving all his goods to feed the poor, that's a good thing, isn't it? If you give your body to be burned, that's a, that's a good thing, isn't that love? And he says, you know, you could do that and not love. Here's the key. Are you willing to lay down your life for someone else? And give a piece of yourself. Now this is where the real love comes in. When it becomes personal. It's not just opening your wallet to give some money. It's not just sort of a, a, a willful. Okay, okay, I'll suffer for this. It comes out of a love that you're actually giving part of yourself for someone else. You're actually laying down your life. You're, it, it calls on us to give something of ourselves. See, this is why we want to love people and still save ourselves. You catch it? We want to go through the outward. Yes, I've given, I've done that, I've sacrificed, I've done all that. But we really, somehow in our heart, we've saved ourselves. Oh, I tell you, this word digs deep in our hearts, folks. This really digs deep in our hearts. Makes you want to uh, get down on your knees before the Lord and say, Oh God, I want to give you my heart. I can do outward things. But really, I'm, I'm saving myself. I'm not, really, I'm not really willing to give part of myself away. Here's your next point, our last point. You can't save yourself and others. Now, this, this is just an eternal truth. Jesus couldn't save himself and save others at the same time. And I'm presenting to you this morning that you can't fulfill your mission that God's given you and save yourself and others at the same time. There has to be a laying down of your life. Listen to what 1 John 3.16 says. And by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So just as he laid down his life for us on the cross, now we have our own cross and we are to lay down our lives for someone else. I mean, this is over and over and over in the scripture. This is a central truth. You have to give of yourself to fulfill your ministry. Lay down your lives for others. And 1 Corinthians 15, 36 says, What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Now that's talking about our physical body being laid in the ground to be raised a spiritual body. But the truth is broader than that. Whatever you want to bring life to something, you, it has to die. It has to go through this losing your life in order to gain it. 
And so you come to this conclusion, yes, whatever I sow, whatever, whatever I'm sowing to bring a harvest, I have to let it die in order for the harvest to come. In your notes, I put this. Satan's temptation is to save certain facets of your life. Now, this is really, really important. Because he doesn't, you know, he just doesn't come with a gun to your head and say, deny the Lord or I take your life. You know, I dare say, I think most of us would, would yield our life. If it just, and we see this in the news. I mean, people being led out and given their lives. You know, you deny Christ or we take your life. People will yield their life because, like, we see it clearly then. No, I'm not going to deny the Lord. But here's what Satan does. He comes and attacks just a little part of your life. Some facet of your life. And he says, save that. Save your reputation. Save your honor. Save being treated right. Save being, uh, you know, you're being unjustly treated, so that shouldn't happen. So save that part of your life. Save your dignity. He takes a little portion of your life and he says, save that. It's not like he takes the whole thing. He just, he just attacks a little portion knowing if I can erode that and erode this and erode this, I am eventually going to get all of it. And so the temptation to us is little facets of our life is being tested. And, and it's tested by people coming back by and wagging their heads and saying things about you. They wag their heads and they wag their tongues. And they talk and you hear what someone said. And if you're not careful, it will throw you off. Something will rise up to say, I have to save that part. If you're the son of God, come down. Well, I am the son of God. I've got I've to show them I am the son of God. I don't want it to come to this, but if really if I have to prove who I am, yes, I will stand and come down and show them I am the Son of God. But Jesus stayed on the cross. Didn't, didn't succumb to that temptation. And by staying on the cross, he showed he really was the Son of God. And so Satan's very subtle. And you need to be aware of his devices. And, 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 and detect when he's just taking a little part of your life and he's challenging it. You've heard me say this before, but I, I think of this often. I was talking to a man years ago, and he was a mechanic. And he, would, he told me, he said, I got a lot of Christian friends and other friends, and they want me to help them fix their car on Saturday. He worked, you know, five days a week in his job, but then he said, I found myself almost every Saturday 
helping someone fix their car. And of course, it would be free because we're friends. And he said, I began to resent it, and it bothered me. And he said, I prayed about it. And he said, I was directed to this portion of Scripture that says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And this is what he said, the Lord said to him. Are you willing to lay down your Saturday for your brother? He said, I saw it in a different perspective. And he said, I said, well, Lord, yes. All right, I'll lay down my Saturday. And he said, from that time on, I just sort of figured I would be fixing someone's car on a Saturday. But he said, I did it with a different heart and a different mind, that I was doing it as unto the Lord, and I was able to help a brother in the Lord. And he said, I found joy in it. And he said, and, and he said, and if I had a free Saturday, I rejoiced in it, but I wasn't bothered when I was helping someone else. See, see, sometimes we'll say we'll lay down our life, but we won't lay down our Saturday. You know, we say, Lord, I give you everything, but I, I won't give you my my honor, my reputation. I won't give you that, Lord. We got to come to a place where we say, Lord, when I lay down my life, it's every part of my life, and you're going to test, Satan's going to tempt me on certain areas, and I just got to stand strong and say, I'm going to fulfill, Lord, what you have for me. John 13, 34, let's just finish out these verses. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So really, this is the mark of a Christian. This area of loving and caring and laying down our life for someone else, this is how, this is the mark of being a Christian. The mark of Christ being our Savior is he stayed on the cross and gave his life for us. The mark for us as Christians is that we will stay on the, our cross that we take up and give our lives for others. It's the mark of being a Christian. And then 1 Peter 5, 5. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. In due time. If you lose your life, you'll gain it. If you humble yourself, you're eventually going to be exalted. Because you can't lose your life without God giving you your life. But if you try to keep your life, you're going to lose your life. And so I want you to take away from this message this morning what the temptation of the cross is all about. There's a temptation of the cross. A temptation that Jesus endured and a temptation over and over again that you're going to have to endure to fulfill God's mission for your heart and for your life. Would you stand with me this morning? And let me pray for us. Lord, somehow... This morning, I sense the importance of this word. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us. 
We want to walk in your path. We want to follow you. We want to fulfill the mission you've given for us as Christians. Help us to take up our cross. And as we take it up, Lord, help us to realize the temptation that Satan will throw at us. And help us to be strong, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Strengthen us as a church. Strengthen us as a people. May we go through tough times and hard times and times we don't understand. But help us to, to hang strong as a church and endure knowing we're coming out, Lord, the other side to, into something glorious that you have for us. Lord, bless every person here, every family here. May this word be in our hearts. May it take root and may it bring forth fruit. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said...